My name is Annie. If we've not met before, I am our elementary ministry director here at Three Crosses. I'm usually over with your kids. I spent a little time with you a couple weeks ago on Celebration Sunday, and they asked me to come kind of right before we go into some more worship, and Larry Vold shares the main message to talk about this series, Hungry. Some of you might be feeling hungry in this room right now. Honestly, I am. It's getting later in the day. I've been here since about 7 this morning, and I'm ready to eat. Hunger, it's something we feel on a regular basis. Uh, the dictionary defines hunger as a weakness from lack of food and a desire to eat. But then it has this secondary definition, where it talks about hunger being this desire or craving for something. And that's a little bit more of what we're talking about, that craving that we have for our lives, this desire to fill something in us, but we seem to go after all the wrong things. To kick off the series, last week Danny Strange came up and he shared from Matthew chapter four. Jesus is finishing up 40 days in the desert of fasting. You wanna talk about hungry. At this moment, Jesus needed food. His body was in need of it and he was hungry. And when Satan approaches him and tempts him to turn a rock into bread, Jesus' response is key here. He says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Food is great, but it doesn't matter. It pales in comparison to that connection with the Lord. But I know in my life, that's not how I truly live my day to day. Oftentimes it's everything else that comes before taking time with God or being sustained by him. We live in a world that tells us we need more, more, more. Getting this will make us finally feel better. This is what you need to feel good. And for each of us in the room, there's something that we hunger for the most. And it typically isn't that we hunger after God the most in our lives. And we're trying to tackle that reality in this series. So what is it for me? We have money in life often is something we seek after. Sometimes it's success or popularity. But I realize something really important to me is time. And because of that, I want my time to be as productive as possible. I absolutely love efficiency. I love oh, two birds, one stone, that's great. The more I get done, I wanna do it well, but I kind of hold my head up high based on what I've accomplished in a day, in my life, where I've been, what I've done, have I made, taken care of business. Because of that, I'm a massive list maker. And I'm hoping I'm not the only person in the room that does this, but sometimes on my list, I'm gonna get a little honest, I put things on my list I've already done just so I can cross them off. That's satisfaction, you know? Like, did it, oh, took care of that one. I don't wanna do a list on my phone. There's nothing about clicking a box that makes me feel as good as it does just crossing something off a list. And the problem is not that I wanna be productive, not that I wanna get things done, because obviously in life we have to do that, the problem is, is I find worth in what I've gotten done. I crave getting those things done. My husband's probably saying amen somewhere because I have a hard time sitting still. If there's something left to do, I wanna get it done. Don't, let's not relax till everything is taken care of. And the problem with that is suddenly, trying to sit with the Lord and be quiet is not a discipline I have very well. 
because I want to be doing something. This isn't checking something off the list, and my mind wanders to all of those things I should do, need to do, want to do, need to take care of. And I'm not quiet with him, and there's no ability for him to sustain me in it. In truth, I, I shared a couple weeks ago that I was a missionary for quite a few years in Ukraine. And my motto in Ukraine is expect the unexpected and nothing is going to go as planned. Your to-do list is an absolute joke. Efficiency is not always how things ran where I lived there. But it was okay because I was simply there to do what God needed me to do. And so things going wrong didn't matter. And the place where it was the best was when I got to go to the orphanage in the village. So when you get off at the train station, it's as if you've stepped back in time, literally. It is just a different place, dirt roads, water from the well. You're living a different life. There might be cars there, but if I didn't recognize anybody who drove those cars, it wasn't Stas, it wasn't Sergey, then I'm going to need to walk to the village where the orphanage actually is. And it's a couple miles, but no big deal because I have time. I'm here to do whatever God needs me to do. Maybe this was a chance to be alone with God, enjoy the scenery. Whoever I ran into, it was considered to me, this is who God needs me to talk to. It was as if not only did I step back in time when I got off the train, it's as if I opened my hands to the Lord and said, what do you need me to do today? And it was a privilege and it was amazing and I felt alive because I was being sustained by God and doing what he needed me to do. It was great, and I've experienced that, but it's really hard to live that Ukrainian village life here in the Bay Area. I haven't quite figured out how to translate what I experienced there to this life because you do need to make it places. You do need to go to work, and you need to get things done, and you do need to make money, and that's a reality. But how do I shift it that I don't find my worth in those things, and I don't find my, you know, I don't find that at the end of the day, I've done a good job based on what I got done, but instead, I find my worth and I find my sustenance through God's word, through time with him. And that's what's exciting about this series is we're pausing and we're saying, okay, how do we stay connected to the Lord? If he's the only thing that will actually fill us, the only thing that will fuel our souls completely. We see all these ladders because we're climbing and we're trying to achieve all these different things in life and what the world tells us will fill our souls. The tagline for the series has been full stomachs, empty souls, because at the end of the day, none of these things are what we actually need. What we need is time with God. And today, Larry Vold's going to come up and he's going to share specifically about fasting and how that can be a discipline that shifts our mindset to stop going after those things of this world and go after more after the Lord. And it's exciting. Although disciplines aren't easy, they lead to great things. And so hopefully through this series, maybe you're not like me and you think I'm crazy with all my lists and what I need to do and not sitting still and you're in a different realm. What you crave after is different. But the hope is, is that you'll take some time and really think through what is it that you're desiring in life? And how do we desire more of God and less of the things of this world and allow his bread of life and the water that never runs dry to be what fills our souls? Good morning. Good to see everyone this morning. How beautiful to be here. I thank God and want to give him glory for the last six months. If you don't know me, my name is Larry. I serve here as senior pastor for many years. And I'm, I'm, uh, thank you. 
I'm back as one of our pastors, and I love our senior pastor, and I'm totally behind his vision, and I've just so much enjoyed, so much enjoyed the last couple of months just sitting in the congregation and worshiping along with you. It's been just a beautiful thing. And a few weeks ago, Pastor Danny introduced this theme of this Hungry series, and I thought, what a great series where we talk about how we fill our souls with something besides food. And uh, just so beautiful. But then he said, I want, you to, I want you to speak on fasting. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, fasting is just, I call it a beautiful misery in my life. You can relate to that a little bit. Fasting is really a, an interesting discipline. And we want to dive into that this morning. But uh, just so much enjoyed uh, the opportunity. And by the way, this is a great series because this week's fasting, we're going to talk about fasting. Next week, we're talking about solitude, getting away kind of separating from all the craziness of our lives. We can do that in little increments, you know, hours at a time, sometimes a day, but that's a beautiful solitude. Pastor Charles is going to be speaking on that. I come back in the third week and we're going to be talking about um, listening for God, listening to scripture. How do we dive into scripture? And so that's going to be that theme. And then we wrap it up with Lindsay coming up and talking about partnering with God in a daily way, where in John 4, Jesus talks to this woman at the well and says, you know, uh, he's, well, he says to his disciples, I have food that you don't know anything about. And, and what does it mean to just be nourished on the Lord? You know, one of the things about fasting I learned right off the bat is that it just reminded me about why I'm not as hungry for God as I am for food. I mean, that's just a real simple outtake. I mean, if that's the only thing you remember today, it's like we hunger for all kinds of stuff. We're hungry for stuff. We heard Annie's story this morning. We're hungry for all kinds of stuff. Why are we not more hungry for God? Why are we not more hungry for the things about God? And this morning, we want to just dive into that a little bit and see what the Lord has to say to us. This all comes out of a text in Matthew's gospel. It's in other places in the gospel record too. But if you want to look, just get your eyes on Matthew 4 with me for just a minute. Matthew 4, we just want to read the text, remind us where we are, why we're studying this. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's an amazing little text, and I can't help but to think the simple irony of today where we're speaking about fasting on Father's Day, when most of the dads out there are thinking about tri-tip and ribs and hamburgers and stuff like that, and you probably feel double-crossed that you're going to hear about fasting today. But it's not really meant to be a trick. It's actually something that will be a real treat to you, I believe, because there's something beautiful about this. And you have to begin by just asking the question, why did Jesus fast? At the beginning of his ministry, he gets baptized. This is the start of his public ministry. Why would he go out into the wilderness and at the same time be tempted by the devil without eating for 40 days? I mean, that just has to get your attention right off the bat. Like, wouldn't he want all the reserves he could if he was going to do battle against the enemy? And there's something very unique and beautiful about what Jesus is doing here, which will kind of come together all at the end of what we talk about here today. Uh, we invited you last week to start into a fast, a simple fast. Pastor Danny challenged all of us, take Monday morning, maybe breakfast, maybe breakfast and lunch. And if you really wanted to go for it, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and just fast last Monday. And he suggested that nobody was going to die. And I don't think anybody died. 
And hopefully we all engaged in some matter of that. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't, but that's the idea. The next several weeks, we want to turn our whole church and every one of us individually into people and a place where we are dedicating a portion of our day on Monday to pray, to pray for God's leading in our lives, to pray for breakthrough in our lives, to pray for our church's ministry in this community, to pray for other churches, to pray for the spiritual climate of our country. Lots of ways you can choose to fast and, and focus on, but I like what one person said to me this last week. They said, oh, I'm so glad you're preaching on fasting. You know, my husband a few years ago tried fasting. He's a follower of Christ. And, you know, all he did was get angry for the time he didn't eat. He's just angry. And then I heard someone talk about today or this week about this term. It's kind of a popular term now. If you, if you don't eat, you know, you can just become hangry. You know, you're hungry and angry at the same time, H-A-N-G-R-Y. And so I think that's where some of us fall on this thing. We just kind of get angry and irritated and like the Snickers commercial, like we heard Danny say last week, we're just not ourselves when we haven't eaten, right? But actually, there's something very beautiful about what we learn about fasting. So here's an introduction. These are four little questions that are going to just jump us into the main point, and all this is going to go super fast. But I'm going to ask the question of who in the world fasts for religious purposes? And it's a real question. Who in the world fasts for religious purposes? You might be surprised. It's not just Christians that fast. There's a lot of groups that fast. Let's take some of the biggies. Judaism. If you're a Jewish person, you fast, but you fast one day of the year. You're, you're, you're uh, commanded to fast on Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Leviticus 23, 26. When the sacrifice was made, you were, to you were to fast and humble yourself. That's the only place in the Old Testament where God's people, the Jews, were commanded to fast. In Islam, if you're a Muslim, you fast uh, out of obligation. And you fast one month out of the year. It's called Ramadan. It's one of the five pillars of your faith. And it's a serious deal. You go without food all day long and then you eat a meal when, sun, when the sun goes down. The only exceptions are if you're uh, traveling or if you're pregnant or if you've got some crazy medical condition that you can't, which then you have to make up later on. They're very serious about fasting, but it's obligation that motivates you come to Hinduism. Hinduism is a, a huge world religion. And Hinduism worships the belief, the belief of worshiping 30 million gods. Now, I know that's kind of hard to get around, but th that is the truth. Hinduism claims that there are 30 million plus gods. And the point of fasting in Hinduism is to keep the angry gods away. That's kind of strange to me. It's like when you fast, you're punishing yourself to make the punishment less on a God that might be angry at you. All of those, and there's other things we could talk about, Buddhism, Taoism, uh, don't have time for all those, but basically all of those are sort of outside in. All of those are sort of like, I'm obligated, I'm doing something to kind of lessen what God might want to do. There's nothing, when it comes to Christianity, there's just a whole different look of what fasting is about. For Christ followers, fasting is an act of spiritual devotion to God. Why do Christ followers fast? Because it's an act of spiritual devotion to God. It's not uh, obligated. No one's obligated to fast. You don't have to fast to be close to God even. You can have intimacy with God right now, right here today. So why do we fast? Well, it, it's a spiritual devotion. It's a, it's a desire of our hearts to maybe see some breakthrough in our lives. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But the point is, Fasting itself for the believer in Christ, just not eating food, does nothing for your spiritual life. You get that? 
I mean, if you decide to not eat tomorrow because you want to stay in line with what Pastor Danny's telling you to do, and so you're just not going to eat tomorrow, but you're going to go about your day the same way you always go about your day. You're not going to think about God, read Scripture, pray nothing. You're just not going to eat. Let me just save you the problem. Don't do that. You're just going to be angry, and people are going to be irritated around you, and, and it's a waste of time. Now, you might lose a couple pounds or something, but it's not going to do any spiritual good in your life. The Christian knows that the reason we fast is simply to devote ourselves to God at a deeper level in our lives. And that's something that can be very beautiful. Whenever you give something that's precious to you, to God, that's an act of worship and it's beautiful. A third question that I want to just prompt here is, so what's the problem we hope to solve with regard to fasting for believers in our culture? What is the issue that we're going after here? What is the reason why we're even talking about this on a Sunday? And the reason is simply this. The reason is, no matter, no matter who you are, most Christ followers in the Western Hemisphere, regardless of their belief in fasting or their appreciation of it, have never practiced fasting. Never. Everybody say the word never. never. <laughs> There's a lot of us who have never fasted. You say, well, wait a minute. No, I, I, I skipped breakfast last week because I was late for work. No, 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 that's not fasting. That's not biblical fasting. Most Christians have never, never biblically fast, which means setting aside food so that your soul could be filled up in a different way. Going after scripture, going after prayer, time alone with God, meditate on these things. And so for most believers, and I'm not saying this is like a big judgment thing, I'm just saying you're not opposed to fasting, it's just that we don't get around to it. Most of us are going, yeah, fasting sounds like a cool idea. I think I'll try it in 10 years. I, I think I'll do it later. We eat when we're not hungry. We eat when, we're, when we don't even want to eat. <laughs> Have you ever been on a cruise ship before? Have you ever seen? <laughs> now, I've never been on a cruise, but my friends that have been on cruises say, it's Larry, it's amazing. It's, it's gourmet food 24-7. You can go down to the cafeteria. You can go in these lines. You can eat for seven solid days. And, they, and my friends will tell me, they say, yeah, around the fourth day, you're so sick of eating, you say, what am I doing? And so then I say, so you fast the last three days? They go, oh, no, no, we paid for that cruise. We're going to eat every single thing we can. I'm not putting that down. I mean, if you like to eat, a cruise is probably a great thing to do. But the point is, we eat when we're hungry, when we're not hungry, and when we don't even want to eat. We eat, we eat when we're bored. When you're bored, how, what, what do you do? Sometimes you just go to the cupboard, open the cupboard. I wonder if there's anything to eat. Boom, there's all kinds of food in there. And you sit there, stare at it until you find something that you think you like. You go to popcorn. My little, you know, weakness is ice cream. I love ice cream. Maybe some of you are the same. You're bored. You're sometimes nervous or anxious about something. Sometimes food is a comfort thing. We go to food for lots of reasons. And what makes it worse? When we come to church, there's food everywhere. You know, some of us go into, you know, we go into these community groups that we have, and if they're not donuts, we're going, I don't know if I'm going to like this community, you know, like... Like, I was in a community where they served donuts. You know, like, we just are so connected to food. You know what I've discovered? Food is very addicting, isn't it? It's like you just can't stop eating it. And that God made it that way. God made us to not go without food. Like, we can't go without food for very long before we start getting these hunger pangs. So, so this gives us a little window. And the final, last little thing I want to talk about this question. This is st still in the introduction, so I hope you're listening fast here. So what does Scripture say about fasting? Two quick things. First of all, it doesn't command it anywhere. I mentioned the Leviticus passage, okay. But, but for a Christ follower, we're not commanded in Scripture any time to fast. 
There's no command to fast. So if you're not fasting, you're not in disobedience to God. It's not commanded anywhere in Scripture. But watch this. Fasting is observed everywhere in Scripture. So there's kind of like this idea that even though it's not commanded, it's observed. So it ought to, it ought to find somewhere, someplace in our lives. Now, I just walked through a few of these places. Moses, when he was on the mountain of God receiving the second edition of the Ten Commandments, because remember the first ones got broken because the people were in sin. He went crazy on that. And he goes back up the mountain a second time. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, is Exodus 34. Samuel the prophet calls Israel to repent, and they fast, confess their need for cleansing from God, 1 Samuel 7. All through the Old Testament, Saul and Jonathan are killed. Israel mourns and fasts, 2 Samuel chapter 1. King David, remember when he sins with Bathsheba and the baby's born, the baby's going to die? And David goes into this crazy fast time to, to hope that God would relent from the judgment. God doesn't relent from the judgment. It still happens, but David fasts. It's a, we find that in 2 Samuel chapter 12. King Jehoshaphat, he calls the people to fast when hearing that the armies of Edom are coming to fight against them, 2 Chronicles 20. The prophets, all of the prophets called the people of God into weeping and wailing and mourning and fasting due to their sin. Joel chapter 2 verse 12. Good thing to do when, you're, when you see how sin has just destroyed parts of your life is to fast. And we see this in the Old Testament. Daniel, remember he fasted when he got to the king's table and he said, I'm not going to eat the king's delicacies. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 10. And he goes on sort of what we call a Daniel fast, a partial fast. He eats some things but not other things. When Israel was allowed to return to their homeland, Ezra chapter 8, Ezra calls all the people together, let's fast, let's seek the Lord for provision, for our journey, for safety, getting home. When Esther takes on the risk of going into the king on behalf of the Jews for wicked Haman's you know, plot against the Jews, she called the people of God to a three-day fast and prayer. Uh, Esther chapter 4 verse 16 Jesus fasts in the wilderness temptations we saw that just a moment ago the disciples of John the Baptist fasted Luke chapter 5 verse 33 the apostles fast when they're facing decisions and the leading of the Holy Spirit wanting to know wisdom and guidance of the Holy Spirit Acts 13 Acts 14 these are all places in scripture where we see fasting happening but it's never commanded we just observe it and don't forget when Jesus said in Matthew 6 he said when you fast, and then he gives some instructions about it. So he doesn't say, if you fast. It was something like Jesus just expected that his followers would have periods of time where they would fast. So the fact that Jesus would assume that we as his followers would fast, and the fact that many of us have never fasted, we got to bring the gap together a little bit here. So let me give you some things that might help. How do you fill your soul without food? Uh, you know, it strikes me, this is not in your notes, we're not going to put it on the PowerPoint, but it strikes me in John chapter 6, you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, he takes a little kid's sack lunch, a couple fish, you know, so a, a, a loaves of bread, a, and, he's, and he prays over them and he multiplies it for 5,000 plus people. And the crowd loved that. I mean, when you provide free food, you know, I mean, let's face it, that's why a lot, like I said, a lot of people come to church because they got donuts, you know what I'm saying? So when there's free food, people are attracted to the things, and Jesus provides free food. And so the crowd comes, and Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. He goes, why are you running after the food that perishes? You should, you should hunger for the food that doesn't perish. And in that beautiful passage, John 6, you can read it later, John 6, verse 35, Jesus said, watch this, he says, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never be hungry. Wow, what a promise. Jesus is saying, wait a minute. 
If you, if you hunger for me and you make me the object of what you consume in your life, you eat of my life, you consume me, you take me in, you ingest me, I will be your full satisfaction for your entire life. I will satisfy you, watch this, in ways that food never can. Now, he's not saying don't eat food. He made us. He created us to eat. It's one of the beautiful pleasures that God gives to us, the pleasure of eating. So what do we do with this? Here's a few things that have helped me, and I hope they'll help you. Number one, when we fast, and we should, we express the ache of our broken world and our homesickness for heaven. This is one of the things I've really learned about fasting. And I want to take you to a little passage in Matthew chapter 9, just a few pages over. If you're in Matthew 4, just keep turning your pages. In Matthew 9, verse 15, actually starts in verse 14, John's disciples, remember John the Baptist had disciples, they came to Jesus and asked him, how is it that we, and they even look at the Pharisees, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So they, there they were in this strict sort of Judaism, kind of they were responding to God, they were fasting, they were waiting for Messiah, they were purposely looking around. And Jesus answers, he says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come with the, when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they will fast. Now this is very early in Jesus' ministry, but he's forecasting his, his sure upcoming death, resurrection, ascension, and leaving this planet. Now, he sent his Holy Spirit, so we still have the presence of Jesus with us, and in fact, in us, and everyone should say amen, amen. we have the Holy Spirit living within us, but the felt presence of the bodily presence of Jesus leaves this world. He says, when the bridegroom isn't here anymore, that's when my disciples are going to fast. And that has struck me at different times, and here's why. I've done some weddings in my life as a pastor, and it would just be so weird if after the wedding I said, you know, I pronounced the couple, okay, the couple's going to go off for some pictures right now, and we're all going to be going up to the reception, but the couple is desired that instead of a big banquet today, we're just going to go in a time of prayer. <laughs> Now, I mean, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be a really cool thing maybe to do, but that probably wouldn't feel very appropriate at a wedding celebration. Why? Because it's a celebration. And we always link celebration with what? Food. I mean, we love to eat. It's a part of the joy. It's a part of the celebration. And so Jesus says, wait a minute. He says, because I'm with you, my disciples right now are not fasting, but there's going to come a time where I'm going to be gone and that's when they'll fast. And I thought about that a lot because when I fast, and my little rhythm of fasting, some of you might wonder, it's not all that, you know, great, but I will, you know, share a little bit about it. I fast once a week is kind of my rhythm of fasting. I fast a 24-hour period of time. I eat a meal in the evening, and I don't eat again till the next evening. The day that I fast is my study day. It's a day where I'm in the Word of God preparing usually for messages but it's, it's more than just the preparation time. It's, it's asking God for things 
uh, specific requests of people, even in our church. Many of your names come up in my little prayer journal. It's a beautiful little day of, of fasting, being before the Lord just kind of spread out. I have had multi-day fasts where I will extend that one, two, maybe three days. My longest fast has been a week where I've abstained from food and only drank water for a week. And literally, I thought I was going to die, and I haven't done that for a long time. I have a friend who's a pastor who a, a couple, every couple years, he fasts for 40 days with nothing but water. Honestly, Dubayan, I say, how do you do that? I met with him this week. I said, I'm preaching on fasting this week, and I feel like you ought to be the guy preaching on fasting. And, and he says, you know, I, I mean, it's just, he's kind of a bigger guy, but he goes, you know, I kind of have a lot of reserves to give. You know, he goes, Larry, he goes, if you fast for 40 days, I don't know. I, you may not make it, you know, like. He goes, I hit a wall at 18-day wall, 26-day uh, wall, and then he goes, then I just feel so weak, like I'm going to die, but I don't die. And then I eat at the end of it. And he goes, you know, but, but more than anything, it's just a, a beautiful time of being before the Lord. And I go, wow. I go, what happens during that time? And he goes, well, I see, I see much more pointedly how the world is so messed up. And, you know, for me, in my little rhythm of fasting, one day a week and then sort of intermittent fast, maybe a meal or two on other subsequent days of the week, I, I feel the same way. I feel like, God, there's something really wrong in the world. And the, my hunger pang reminds me of that. If fasting becomes sort of like I become in tune a little bit more with what's wrong in the world. My homesickness for heaven. My homesickness for being in the presence of Jesus. I want to be in the presence of Jesus. Now, if you fast for more than 40 days, you might very well be in the presence of Jesus. <laughs> You know, Jesus, I think, hinted at this over in Luke chapter 22. You remember Luke 22, verses 16, 15 and 16. He says, this is at the Passover meal. He says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Wow. I, to me, I think, wow, Jesus, he suspended eating in a sense, he says, until I come back to take you to be with me. I, I don't know what that really means in the heavenly places. Like, Jesus is the God-man, right? So on earth, he ate. I don't know if he's eating right now. It sounds kind of like he's waiting. Revelation 19 talks about this marriage supper of the Lamb, this huge banquet where God's people are going to gather. And I, I just start thinking about that. And I go, maybe we fast now for the feast that's coming. And when we fast, we're thinking about this beautiful feast that God is preparing right now, right now. I don't know. I kind of get excited thinking about that day because food in God's economy, God uses it and he's designed it. I'm looking forward to the great wedding supper. How about you? When we fast, number two, quickly, when we fast, we're fighting to loosen the grip of sin and weakness in our bodies. I mean, let's face it, our bodies are always telling us what to do. Our flesh is strong. Its appetites are not always godly. You know, when you decide, you know, I'm going to do something with my body. I'm going to exercise. What does your flesh say? And maybe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think I'll just lay down. Good idea. You know, it, it craves ungodly expressions. It craves food that is not good for us. Fasting is a simple way of saying no to the more visceral appetites of your life and getting used to saying no. Your body needs to hear you say no. And if you can't do it for a meal, 
maybe you don't have as much of a shot at it when you got something really going down in your life, like temptation to give yourself sexually to somebody that's not your spouse, not your married spouse, or, or to you know go into pornography if that's a, if it's a sexual issue, or cheating on your taxes, or going after you know what fill in the blank, whatever you're going after that you feel a hunger for. If you can't say no to the physical hunger, how are you going to say no to that kind of stuff? So your body needs to hear you say no. And I like how Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, in verse 27, he says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And I wish we had a little more time to go in the context there. Paul's not saying I beat up like I just stand in front of a mirror and pound my body. He's saying, but I, I say no to my body. I subdue my body's desires. Okay, number three, when I fast, when we fast, we're expressing a need to God that we believe only he can fulfill. And we've already said it, but I'll mention it again. Like if you need, if you're in a place where sin has taken over in your life and you need to repent, then that'd be a great time to fast. You know, mourning is a great time for fasting. When I've been on scene with people that have lost a loved one in that moment, you know, they're never hungry. Nobody ever says, oh, my loved one just died. I need a hamburger. Nobody ever says that. Because your body just says, how can I eat with something so radically wrong? So, when we sin, we should feel as radically wrong about that that we just kind of lose our appetite. The proverb talks about how the sensual person, you know, goes and commits an act of immorality and then wipes their mouth and says, I'm ready for more. Give me some food. So, whether it's repentance, Joel 2, or breakthrough, Esther 4, or provision, Ezra 8, or wisdom, Acts 13. All of these things are great reasons to fast. So, when you fast, make sure you have purpose in mind. Don't just not eat tomorrow if you decide to take up the challenge and miss breakfast or miss breakfast and lunch or miss whatever desire, whatever little meal configuration you have. Don't just not eat. If that's all that happens, you're wasting your time. But have a purpose. Is there some breakthrough need in your life? Is there some sin that's always nagging at your life? Is there an attitude that you've been harboring that needs to go? Is there something that you're holding on to that the Spirit is saying, would you release that thing? And if you'll commit to fasting, God may just meet you in that moment and give you breakthrough. Which brings me to the last thing and we're done. And that is when we fast, we can anticipate special provisions and awareness that God is at work. I'm not kidding you. I, you know, in studying for this passage and this, this message, I, uh, I got into my computer and I, I started looking at some of my prayer journals when I was fasting. Um, and it was a remarkable thing to see. I thought, wow, yeah, I remembered all these things way back years ago. And right up to the present time, just kind of going through these, I don't, I don't journal a lot, but occasionally when I fast, I journal. And it was just a beautiful reminder. Oh, this estranged relationship got healed. Oh, I was praying for my kids and I saw God do this thing. And I recorded that down. It was so healthy to see that during this time of, of just being on my face before God, so to speak, humbling myself, God met me there. And this happened to be on a day where I was fasting, too. It was my study day, right? So as I'm fasting, I, I suddenly felt led to pray for a couple in our church who's really going through a tough marriage situation. And so I started praying for them. And as I was praying for them, boom, I get a text. And it's from the woman in the marriage. And she's like, right now, I don't know what you're doing, but I would hope that you would be praying for us. 
You know, okay, well, that, thank you, Lord. That was a beautiful little reminder. And I, I just think God kind of arranges those things. I, I, she says, can you call me? I call her. I pray with her. I call her husband. I pray with him. Right now, today, that marriage is still very messy. It's not even, in fact, I think it's maybe worse than the day we prayed together. But I don't take for granted that God maybe brought that little moment together in that moment where I was just laying out before the Lord for them. And God is still working in that situation. And I'm looking forward this week to continue that in my, in my uh, little routine of fasting and praying to pray for people like that. And I hope you do too. Because I, I just become aware of what God might be doing. And he just alerts us and puts our heart together to like, this is what he's doing. God's doing amazing things. Some of us feel like we just don't really have a close walk with Christ, but we're not taking the time to fill our souls with things besides food. So I hope that will encourage your heart today. I hope just you'll wade in. If you never have, just wade in. And maybe the question today is just, why don't I hunger for God like I hunger for potato chips or whatever it is? Let's go to the Lord.